Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, January 20th, and this is your FT News Briefing. There's a big leadership shakeup at a major streaming service. Corporate executives are wrestling with how to adjust supply chains. Plus, many people in China have been posting video memories of 2022, a year of harsh COVID lockdowns. Now, having a collective narrative, which lives on in these social media clips and these online memories, says to others, this was not something that you lived through alone. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Netflix co-founder Reed Hastings is stepping down as CEO, but staying on as executive chair. The company made the announcement as it was reporting its quarterly earnings yesterday. Hastings started the company way back in 1997 when it rented out DVDs by mail. He grew the company into one of the most powerful studios and streaming services in the world. But Netflix hit hard times recently, losing more than a third of its market value over the past year. Netflix said yesterday that it had a pretty great fourth quarter, though. Revenue climbed 2% year-on-year, and the company added nearly 8 million new subscribers. Central bankers are making it clear that they'll keep battling inflation by raising interest rates. European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde had this to say yesterday at the World Economic Forum in Davos. And we shall stay the course until such time when we have moved into restrictive territory for long enough so that we can return inflation to 2% in a timely manner. Meanwhile, in Chicago, Federal Reserve Vice Chair Lael Brainerd also used the phrase, stay the course. She said the U.S. Central Bank had more to do to get inflation down. That's despite signs that price pressures are easing. Brainerd also said it'll take time and resolve to get inflation back down to the Fed's 2% target. Global trade is rebounding since the worst of the pandemic and the war in Ukraine. Ships are no longer backlogged at major ports and costs have come down, but the disruptions over the past few years have left corporate executives pretty bruised. But they've also learned some pretty big lessons about how they can operate in a much more uncertain supply chain environment. The FT's Andrew Edgecliff-Johnson has been talking to global executives about lessons they've learned. The key one is really you can no longer depend on a single country to be your sole source of supply for any critical components, any critical commodities or other um, products for what you sell. And so we've seen what's often called a China plus one strategy because so much of global production is actually dependent on China. We're seeing more people move to India, to Vietnam. Edge says as companies look at how to adjust supply chains, they're figuring out what to prioritize. They're looking at what are the absolutely critical components that we can't do without. And first on that list for many companies is semiconductors, which is why we're seeing so much action and so much money being thrown by governments around the world to try and uh, bolster domestic semiconductor manufacturing. But this China plus one strategy and plans to friend shore production, Edge says it's going to take some time and hard effort for companies to wean themselves off of China. I think 
there's a very delicate dance being played right now, certainly in corporate America. Um, the executives I, I spend most of my time talking to, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce last week came out with its annual State of American Business speech, and that mixed a lot of very hard talk about China on human rights, on intellectual property and other issues with a message that we still need to keep this market open. This is absolutely critical for large and small businesses in the U.S. alike. Andrew Edgecliff Johnson is our U.S. business editor. In China recently, a big entertainment website called NetEase asked people for their memories of 2022. Videos poured in, showing painful, emotional moments during the country's harsh COVID lockdowns. The FT's Yuan Yang wrote about why these collective memories are so important, and she joins us now. Hi, Yuan. Hi, thanks for having me. I want to play a video compilation. It's got music underneath, but we can hear what people are saying. And I want you to describe what's going on for us. So this is a gentleman in Shanghai, very politely apologizing to his neighbors, saying that his wife has been uh, tested positive for COVID and has been taken away for quarantine. I think what this really highlights is how much of a stigma it was to have somebody living with you catch COVID because it then could lead to a mass lockdown of the whole community. This is a really heartbreaking clip. It shows video and audio of a mother, it seems, who is going from um, door to door in her community trying to get uh, fever medicine for her child, saying that she's already called the emergency services and that they're not responding. This is a truck driver who's kneeling in the middle of the road as cars drive past him. He's saying, my mother's terminally ill in hospital. And he's trying to get home, but he seems to be unable to get home, presumably because of all the different barricades and lockdowns that there are that prevent um, people from moving from city to city. So, UN, these scenes are pretty heart-wrenching. And I understand that there's a lot of these videos going around, but Beijing's been censoring them. Why would they do that? The government doesn't want to have any admission that there was mistakes in its policies, even after they've abandoned the policies. So even after there's been a complete U-turn on zero COVID and COVID restrictions have been completely lifted from China now, there's no ability to reflect on the last few years and say, what did we do wrong? What did we get right? And bearing in mind, they did get a lot of things right, especially at the start of the pandemic, as well as getting a lot of things wrong um, in the middle and end of it. But none of that is discussed. It's you know, now China is back to normal, as the vice premier said a few days ago at Davos, and we're all moving on. But despite all the censorship, people are still sharing these videos to preserve them. Why do you think it's important to keep these collective memories? The last three years in China have been profoundly destabilizing. And I think it's really important when individuals, when a society has gone through such tremendous change, to be able to have space to reflect and digest and process those emotional moments, especially the traumas that have come with them, whether that's the trauma of bereavement or from being, or the trauma of being separated from your young child who's been taken away to quarantine. Now, having a collective narrative, which lives on in these social media clips and these online memories helps that because it says to others, you know, this was not something that you lived through alone. This is a this is a a social level disruption. And this is something that we can make sense of 
at the level of community rather than things that we are suffering individually as victims. I think that's a really important step towards coming to a recognition of the rights and wrongs of what happened as well. And it would be in incorrect to con conclude that China's handling of the pandemic was uniquely terrible or that it was all bad either. So I think it's really important to come to a nuanced view of these policies. But it's impossible to come to any conclusion or any reflection if there isn't a collective history that remains alive. Yuan Yang is the FT's Europe-China correspondent. Thanks, Yuan. Thank you. Before we go, we know that you have opinions about FT podcasts, and we want to hear them. We're running a survey to find out what listeners think about our shows. It'll only take about 10 minutes of your time, and you'll be entered to win a pair of sweet Bose earbuds. Just go to ft.com slash briefing survey. We'll have that link in the show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Sonia Hudson, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from David De Silva, Michael Lello, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.